Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you with the Open to Hope Foundation in partnership with the Compassionate Friends and the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation. Well, today we're going to talk about compassionate care after loss. And we're going to talk about a grief, I think, that really gets disenfranchised. And let's talk about what disenfranchised is, too. But Heidi, will you introduce our guest? Sure, I'd love to. Our guest today is Anne-Marie Atai. And like you said, Mom, we're talking about compassionate care after loss. Anne-Marie lost her 26-year-old fiancé, Mike, to a sudden heart attack in the summer of 2000. With his death, she came to understand the impact of loss and the need for compassionate care of those impacted by grief. She is the administrator of CareLink Hospice Services in Hayward, California. Welcome to the show, Anne-Marie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So great to have you on, Anne-Marie. Now, were you in the hospice field when Mike died? No, 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 that came much later. I was just recently graduated from college at that time and kind of wasn't really sure where my life was heading, what I was going to do career-wise. Being engaged at such a young age, I was under the impression that my personal life was pretty stable. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's part and parcel of the reason it was such a shock is I really didn't have much of a career to kind of fall back on at that time. So it, it was doubly difficult, I think, because of that. And he had a sudden heart attack. Where was he? Working out at a oh, gym that he owned. Mm-hmm. He owned a, a boxing studio, a kickboxing studio, and he was working out with a friend. And just they were sparring and he had said, you know, can we stop for a minute? I kind of I feel nauseous. I don't feel well. And his friend, you know, our friend said, yeah, no problem, just take a break, you know, to catch your breath, whatever, and then he just collapsed. This is so bizarre, Anne-Marie, because here, here yeah. this guy is, your fiancé, and not only is he in shape, he owns, you know, a workout place, and he's in the prime right. of his life, and he's fit, right. and he's working out, and he dies yeah. suddenly. Yeah, and he was a big guy, tall, strapping, healthy, as far as, as we uh, all knew. I mean, was completely... a a shock. So that's a tragedy. Unreal. Now, how how did this uh, change your ideas about grief and loss? Having him die, were you surprised at your response and what the journey was going to be like? I had never lost anybody that was not at that point in my life. I had never lost anyone close to me that was not very elderly. So I had never lost a friend, you know, to a car accident, anything like that. For me, it was a huge shock that something like that could happen to someone so young when it doesn't touch you your whole life. Basically, you have no idea how to deal with it. None. I was completely clueless mm-hmm. how how to move forward and get my life together afterwards. You know, so it it was a just a complete nightmare. And the fact that there was no, there was really no support system out there for, you know, young people who this happened to that I knew of. So it was really, really hard. I, I worked with the Young Widows after 9-11 for many, many years. And what was interesting is the ones that were widowed but weren't married. In other words, we worked, I worked with a lot of fiancés. They felt so disenfranchised because they felt like since they weren't married, people minimized the loss and that they didn't get the support that the married the married woman got, and did you find that, Amory, for yourself? Yes, I, I I found that a lot. I found that there were two things that really I think contributed to that. One that I was very young, and mm-hmm. two that we were not married, and we're not mm-hmm. you know we quote unquote didn't make a life together. People just assume that oh it, it's like a, having a boyfriend, but again, mm-hmm. having your boyfriend pass away, I'm sure is equally as traumatic. I mean, why is that discounted? Mm-hmm. I don't think losing a boyfriend, fiance, husband, 
whatever, I, I don't think that there's a whole lot of difference there other, you know, as far as like the level of the relationship. I don't really feel like people have the right to minimize it because you don't have that piece of paper that says you're married. Regardless well, of and when you're at that you're stage in your relationship, you're so madly in love, too. And I mean, and, and you're know. so connected. Yeah. yeah. And you're grieving not only the, the relationship, but you're grieving the entire future that you'll never have with Mike. I was grieving the plans that we had made. I don't know, honestly. I was very young. I don't know how it would have turned out. I don't know mm -hmm. where my career path was going to go, but we did have plans. And when yeah. you're in the moment, you can't stop, then stop and say to yourself, you know what, I don't know if this would have worked out. I mean, I can say that now that I'm so much mm -hmm. older and I'm mar happily married. My husband's wonderful, but you don't know at that time that that's going to happen. And yeah. I think even family members kind of minimized it and still do today that mm -hmm. it was not that big of a deal. And in the same exact situation happened to my oldest brother. And was also oh, wow. because they were not they were not married. And was this before your you lost uh, Mike or after? It was before. It was 1995 that he lost his fiance. Did he give you any support? Was he able to come forward? Or he was a huge support after after my fiance's passing. I went through a very difficult time as far as being in and out of jobs, in and out of horrible relationships, which I had never done these types of things before. I had a very difficult time in my life. And he was the one person who was, oh, my family was always there, but he really kind of stood out and was never, he's the most non-judgmental person. Now, I don't know if that comes from what he went through as well, but I ended up living with him for a period of time, getting myself together financially with his help and being able to start a life for myself on my own, live alone, have a nice job, you know, have a nice car, a nice place to live, and finally get my life together because of the fact that he kind of gave me that support system of a place to live and guided me through getting a decent job. And, yeah, he was a huge help. And I think, you know, maybe... Maybe he felt a kinship. I don't know. We never really talked about it. He's kind of private when it comes to his personal life. But I always felt that closeness to him because of that, even though he is much older than me. But, yeah, and we're still very close today. And I, just, I always feel so thankful to him that I wouldn't be in the place that I am now without his help. That's great. And I'm sure his past experiences helped him. And I'm sure getting into hospice, your own experience, even though you're an administrator, the support that you can give the families and the hospice workers, given your own pain and your own experience, has got to be a lot. It's helpful because I feel that I'm stronger for it. I don't let my emotions get to me as much as I think they would if I hadn't gone through something like that. So I can be stronger for people because I've gone through such a traumatic situation. I think that's kind of how I feel. I can always kind of be a shoulder to lean on because I've been through something that, you know, is so traumatic when someone's so close. I mean, your best friend, partner in life dies. I mean, that I don't think it gets much closer than that other than your parents. Or mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about what you're doing at your hospice in Hayward as far as supporting bereaved families. And what do you think families need? I think one of the biggest parts of hospice is the psychosocial aspect of it. I don't think many people realize that there is such a huge psychosocial support system related to hospice. I think a lot of people assume that it's just, you know, nurses and other clinicians coming into the home to help take care of the kind of the clinical and the disease aspect of things. But there's a whole other aspect to hospice being, you know, social worker, bereavement coordinator, um, 
We have great chaplains. I mean, we have so much, that's such a huge support network, and we really work hard to expand that aspect of our team because it is so, so helpful. So helpful. I mean, the families really depend on our chaplains and our social workers, and I think people don't really realize that, that, that they are such an integral and huge part of hospice. And they make all the difference in the world, along with having compassionate clinicians to work as a team to support the family. Uh-huh. So I think that's just such a huge, huge thing that, that that if you can really address that and get that in place for the families, then they'll have the support that they need, you know, whether or not they have a big extended family or a small family. You know, we want to integrate and, and create that supportive environment for them. Now, what about the staff? Because this is a really difficult business. I mean, there could be, you know, a burnout level there for staff people constantly being in grief and loss and constantly having that expectation. And you are kind of the administrator, so you kind of can look at what's going on. Uh, How do you see staff taking care of themselves? We have weekly IDT meetings uh, every week where we um, go over... uh, half the census, half of the patients one week, half of their um, care plans and things. And then the following week, we touch on the other half of and go over the other half. So, and at the beginning of every meeting, we have um, our bereavement coordinator, who's also a chaplain. She really emphasizes on self-care. And she will give a presentation, usually with our co-chaplain, and they will talk about the fact that you really need to not only care for your patients as clinicians, but care for each other and yourself. And she provides a lot of of strategies of, you know, it could be anything as simple as, you know, aromatherapy, meditation for 10 minutes. We try and give our staff some strategies to take time out for themselves and really kind of self-evaluate and make sure that they know where they are emotionally. and, And if they need a break to come to us and let us know. I mean, we're always open to, you know, either more education or, you know, if, if somebody needs a break for just personal time, that, that's something that it just absolutely has to happen in hospice. You cannot, you cannot ignore yourself or else you will get burned out. Yeah. Well, I know you're saying some fun things to do. We were trying to set up a time for you to be on the show. You were telling me that you were going to the car show in New York. So I think you are a perfect example. And I like to play golf. And Heidi's got her kids and, and spends a lot of time doing other things in New York. Talk about your car thing, because I think it's so much fun, and I want people to know that there's fun around there, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my husband has been in the car business for many, many years. We met in the car business, um, and we both share a huge passion for cars, you know, vintage cars, modern cars, you name it. Um, My family is also passionate about cars, as his is. So um, we're just, we spend a lot of time, you know, researching, enjoying, going, you know, going for drives. Buying, selling, I mean, you name it. So when, when I went to New York, my sister and I decided to go to the car show and, and take a look around. And, you know, she and I are interested in, in promoting um, uh, a website to, to kind of get women more into cars, you know, and, and, and try and explore cars, you know, for women as, as an extension of their personality and fashion. And there's so much fun to be had in, in the car business and car industry. For women, I think it tends to be a male-dominated industry. I know when I was in the business, it was very male-dominated. I was a very rare thing, work, you know, as a woman working in the car business. So I, it, it has that kind of 
closed-door mentality for women, and I want to open that up and show them, look, it's fun. It's so much fun. There's so much to enjoy and so much – there's so much personalization you can do. You know, I mean, if they, they can – you know, as far as I even have the, the stitching custom made on the inside of my car. I mean, you can do so many different things and really, really explore your personality and enjoy it. I love the idea you were talking about taking your nail polish and getting your car that color. <laughs> yes, I actually saw, I went to the, a couple of years ago, I went to the Maserati factory in Modena in Italy, and I saw a woman's car coming off of the, the um, assembly line, and it was painted in her favorite nail polish shoe, which was this crazy salmon color with a chocolate wow. top and chocolate interior. And she had just picked every, it was completely bespoke. She picked every single little thing. It was amazing. Not my personal taste, but for her, it was the best. And I just don't think that people know that, you know, that those things are available and it's so much fun to do. Absolutely. Well, I think that, Heidi, isn't it great to hear people, we can talk about the hospice, the loss, and then we can talk about the fun because it's got to be balanced, doesn't it, Heidi? Well, and I think one of the ways that we find hope after loss is to introduce some fun into our lives and hopefully keep expanding it over time. Yep, absolutely. Well, Anne-Marie, we want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been really fun. And do you have any website you want to tell us about for your hospice or whatever? Uh, We are at carelinkhospiceservices.com. All right. Well, thanks again for being on the show and for all the good you're doing in the world and for letting the people know that there is hope after loss. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Well, Heidi, I I love the idea that, you know, you have this loss and then there can still be this energy and zest for life, don't you? Absolutely. And I also like the fact that, you know, Anne-Marie is helping build awareness that losing a fiancé, having a fiancé die is a significant loss. Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening to this show today. And we always want to remind you that you've lost hope. Please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. Mm -hmm.